Hey everyone, my name is Jason Parker, and I want to welcome you to the Coastal Church Podcast. I'm super excited for you to hear this message. We believe that God wants to speak to us, and we hope that you're open to hear what He has to say to you today. Enjoy. You may be seated. I will be reading from Scripture, and it is uh, James chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says, he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Sorry, I think I read that wrong. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Thank you. Well, good evening, y'all. Well, my name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here. And I'd like to begin by saying I'm a selfish person. My name is Jason, and I'm a selfish person. You know, in a kind of really weird way, that actually feels good. It doesn't feel good to be selfish, but it feels good to admit that I have selfish bents towards living for me. So it feels good for me. Why don't you give it a try? So I want to preface this for a sec, though, first. I know we have a lot of people that are more introverted. And one of the things, I don't know if we've ever done this up to this point. Like, at Coastal, we don't do that whole thing where you're forced to shake hands with people. Like, we just don't do that. And we generally don't ask you to do something with your neighbor, but we're going to do it tonight. But don't worry, it's not that big of a deal. So what I want you to do is I'd like you, if you, you can go ahead and try this if you want. Turn to the person next to you, or both people next to you, and introduce yourself and say, my name is so-and-so, and I'm a selfish person. Go ahead.
Okay, that sounded way too fun. <laughs> it happened in the first service, too. I was like, man, these guys, they were excited to tell the person how selfish they were. Like, it was, you guys are the same way. Now, the, you know, confession's a good thing to do, and the Bible doesn't say this, but it's true. Confession is good for the soul. Now, here's what I also want you to do. You don't have to do it right here, but... The next time you're in the middle of a maritable, 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 let's try that again, maritable. Next time you're in the middle of a marital discussion, you know what I mean by marital discussion, <laughs> a mini row, let's say, and tensions are flying, what I want you to do mid-argument, when your blood pressure is going like this and you're seeing red, I want you to put the brakes on. I want you to introduce yourself to that person who knows you really, really well and say, I'm a selfish person. I'm sorry. That's a little tougher, Bill, is it not? When the stakes are high, when the blood pressure's up, when you're seeing red, when you're hurt, when you're offended, when, some, when you feel like you're justified in your anger, in your wrath, it's like a righteous anger, Right? And so it's hard for us to de-escalate in moments like that when we're in the midst of attention. Or maybe it's with our kids, or maybe it's with a coworker, maybe it's with a friend, and we're kind of in the middle of it, and we, and we just hit the pause bu- button and realize, wait now, like, maybe it's not just them. It's super, super challenging to do that. Now let me just ask you a question on what you think about. In your relational tensions that you have, what percentage of those tensions that you have in relationships has to do with your own relational selfishness? And just stop and think about that and give that a number in your head. As you think back to the last weeks, months, and even year of all the relational tensions you've experienced in relationships, What percentage of the tension you experience is as a result of your own selfishness? So I want you to think about that as we dive into James here and just keep that in mind. James here, as Shelly read, James is jumping in with both feet, talking about some relational tensions. And what we ought to do with some of these different tensions. And as we've been in James here for the summer, like, James is like a heavyweight boxer. He's just like punch after punch after punch. Uh, James and Alex and I preached the last three weeks, and they were some, like, heavy, weighty sermons where we didn't pull any punches. One of the reasons why we didn't pull any punches or sugarcoat it, you want to know why? Because James doesn't sugarcoat it, does he? (laughs) No, amen. You guys know it, right? He doesn't sugarcoat it. He lays it on the line. And as preachers, our responsibility is to be true to the text. And so we've got to, we can't preach what we think or our opinion or like we preach the text. And so James is, is, he comes on strong. He doesn't pull any punches. But you also have to remember as you read the book of James, that James is a pastor. He's the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, Jesus' half-brother, and he loves his people. 
And he loves these Jewish Christians that are spread abroad and likely being persecuted. He loves them. And so in the middle of this really challenging, weighty passage of Scripture, right at the heart of it, it says back to back, and he gives grace. And he gives grace. We need grace to receive weighty words from James. We need grace to be able to swallow the words that actually the truth of God's word that leads us to change. See, that's the thing. Jesus said, I am the truth, and the truth will set you free. But the truth hurts sometimes, doesn't it? Like, if we're all honest, most of us are probably offended by something James said in his five chapters. You ever read something in the, in the, in the Bible, and you're like, ooh, that one hurts. Ooh. Yeah, well, you do a lot of that when you read James. But there's a truth that sets us free. And sometimes when we hear hard truth from the scriptures or hard truth that someone inspired by the Holy Spirit speaks to us, it's really hard for us to, like, swallow it, to be palpable. And that's why James says in this middle of this passage of scripture, but God gives grace. And God's grace, the grace of God, we need the spoonful of God's grace to make the medicine of his truth go down. We need the spoonful of God's grace to make the medicine of his truth go down. We need to know that when God speaks a corrective word into our lives, it's because he loves us. He cares about us. And he gives us grace to mature and grow up. So that's the preface as we kind of dive into this passage of scripture tonight. Because we're going to talk about some weighty things. How many know relationships are hard sometimes? Amen? Relationships are hard. But there's truth here from Scripture that can really help us to navigate relationships. There's three things I want to say about, in particular, about relationships as it relates to this passage of Scripture. The first thing is this. Relational issues are rarely about the relationship. Relational issues are rarely about the relationship. Now, first off, I want to say, rarely, not never. You will run in to the odd person in your life that, for whatever reason, <laughs> it seems as if it's their life goal to make you miserable. I don't know why we are called to pray for them, to bless them, Jesus said, you know, bless your enemies, turn the other cheek, all that sort of stuff. You will find the odd person, probably less than 99%, maybe one out of 500, one of 1,000, for whatever reason, they just are out to get you. But for the most part in this life, the other 99 plus percent of people in our lives, it's, it's not about that. They aren't out to get us. It's rarely about the relationship. The second thing that James says here in this passage of Scripture, he doesn't focus, or he doesn't say, I should say, he doesn't talk a lot about them. When you and I have relational tensions, how many times, whether you do this in your head or out loud, most of us do it in our head to ourselves and reinforce our own thinking about our own offense, we say, it's their fault. They shouldn't have treated me this way. If they would only do this, if they were only this way, if they would only apologize, 
How many times when you and I have had relational tensions do you have those conversations in your head? Anyone there? Am I the only one? Them, them, them. But James actually doesn't talk about them. And the truth is, obsessing over them rarely, if ever, helps a relationship. It just doesn't. The thing that James says, he talks about you or me, I. Not them, I. And that kind of aligns somewhat to our modern narrative today. Our modern narrative in 2023 is like, it's all about you. You do you, right? You're never wrong. You never have, you never have to apologize. You deserve all your wants. James does that, but he's slightly different than culture in 2023. James actually says in this passage of scripture, listen to the, how many times the word you comes up, starting at verse 1. What, co- what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people. James is not outside talking about them. He's talking about you. The problems are you. It's your own selfishness. And I think if we're honest, I think if we were to do a little inventory here tonight, We could amen what James is saying. I don't think it takes a lot of convincing to say, okay, I think it maybe needs to start with me. Like, maybe I expect and think I'm entitled to things in this in particular relationship, and I keep getting disappointed, but maybe that expectation is just wrong. Or maybe we have dreams that we had hoped for, and we see other people getting dreams fulfilled, and we kind of feel jealous or bitter inside. Or maybe, maybe we're in a hurry, and we're in Tim's and McDonald's lineup in the drive-thru, and, or, or we're in line at a restaurant, and this waiter is having this conversation. We're like, I just want my coffee, please. It's that, it's that self inside of us. Or someone gives us feedback, or our boss critiques us, and we take it personal, maybe because of our insecurity and our brokenness. Or maybe, like, your spouse is crankier than normal, and you think it's just all their fault. It has nothing to do with the fact that you haven't got much sleep, you stayed up too late, and now you're the edgy one. See, sometimes I think that the real issue is actually us. The real issue, James talks about this idea of us being proud. And James is trying to help his audience to see that you guys are arguing and bickering but the problem is actually within you. It starts with you. And so just imagine if every time we were in a conflict, we put the brakes on and said, okay, what's wrong with inside of me in this moment? What tensions and passions and things are arising in me that aren't from God in this moment? How is my selfishness rearing its ugly head in the midst of this conflict. 
What would it look like if in every argument and relational tension we had, we actually started with us? What's trying to resurrect itself inside of me that doesn't look a whole lot like Jesus? So it starts with that. It starts with, starts with us. The second thing I want to talk about as we look at this passage of Scripture is healthy vertical relationships, relationship, leads to healthy horizontal relationships. So in other words, this relationship healthy leads to these relationships being healthy. James kind of gives a progressive walkthrough how we ought to pray and how we ought to bring ourselves before God. Shelley read about humble yourself before God, submit to God, draw near to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. The first idea is this idea of humbling ourselves. Humbling ourselves before God. My experience has been is that we either choose to humble ourselves before God now, or God allows us to go through tribulations and challenges and tensions to bring us to the point where we humble ourselves. It's kind of like, you either do it now, or it's going to happen later one way or the other. Because God, God resists the proud, the Scripture teaches, right? But he lifts up the humble. And humbling ourselves before God means we, we kind of lay down our ego. We lay down our insecurities. We lay down our emotions. All that stuff that tries to rise up in us in the midst of a relational tension, humility is actually the antidote for some of that tension, isn't it? We lay down that offense. We lay down all that we are before God. We humble ourselves before God. We don't just humble, but we submit. We say, God, I want what you want for me. How many know in this room, God wants some incredible, incredible, incredible things for our lives? Amen? Amen. How many believe that God indeed has a plan? He has big things in his heart for every single person in this room. Amen? And when we submit to God, we're saying, God, I want what you want for my life. But that takes giving in to God. It takes submitting to God. One of the things that the scripture talks about as a form of worship in the Psalms, the Bible says, let us kneel before the Lord our maker. And I love like, I love medieval movies. Like I love watching movies where there's kings and battles and stuff like that. And oftentimes in movies, people will come before the king and they'll kneel as an act of saying, I submit my entire life to serve your purposes. And, and kneeling before the Lord, who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, amen, means we are submitting our life, our dreams, our hopes, our plans, our desires, our relationships, our choices. Submission means we submit it all to God. We humble all that we are, and we submit. We say, God, not only do I humble myself before you, but I submit. I say, God, whatever you want for my life, what you want for my life, I want for my life. It's that act of submission. And it's in here, when we submit to God, 
that God leads us to do certain things in relationships that a lot of us oftentimes don't want to do. You see, when we submit, it means, God, I'm going to do the things you're asking me to do even when I don't feel like or want to do it. How many know sometimes God leads you to do some things sometimes you don't feel like doing? How many feel like loving your enemy? Nope, okay. How many feel like praying for those who's persecuting you and blessing them people? Nope, don't feel like it. Are we called to do that stuff? See, submission to the kingdom of God, a.k.a. Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, it's full of commands from Jesus to do stuff in our own nature we probably don't feel like doing. But when you draw your allegiance to Jesus, who is the king of kings, you are making a decision to say, Jesus, with my entire lifestyle, I'm going to follow you. And yes, it's not a boom and you're there. There's a maturing and growing process, but you have made a decision to bow your heart and your life to King Jesus, to live the Jesus way like we sing about. And that involves this idea of submission, in particular, in our relationships. God, however you want me to live in this particular relationship, I'm submitting to that. And we draw near to God and resist the devil, the scripture says. I love that the scripture says, draw near to God and he draws near to us. You know, sometimes I have this picture, and maybe this is helpful for you, maybe it's not. But in my own prayer time, I often have this picture of me chasing after Jesus in the woods. And I'm not a go-in-the-woods kind of guy, just FYI. But I have this just picture of me pursuing God, and I am smiling, and he's smiling, and it's just this, this active relationship where I'm coming after God. And the cool part is, according to the Scripture, is that when we draw near to God, what does the Scripture say? He draws near to us. When we actively pursue God, he draws near to us, and, and we get this healthy relationship where we're not just sitting back, like, you know, sitting back and just waiting for God to show up. We're not like, no, God, I'm coming after you in the name of Jesus. I want more of you. I need more of you. I'm coming after you, God, with all that I am. I'm going to read the scriptures. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to, in many possible ways as possible, I'm going to listen to podcasts. I'm going to listen to sermons. I'm going to crank on the worship music. I'm going to lean in to every means of grace you make available for me because I want God all that you are. And when you get that relationship healthy, God begins to pour his grace inside of you. And that's the key that actually unlocks healthy relationships this way. When God begins to pour his plethora of grace into your life, when he begins to give you grace, he increases your capacity to be able to bless those that you're in relationship with, in particular, the ones you're having tension with. Before we kind of get into actually practically about that, there's something that tries to put the kibosh, though, on your relationships. Which is why James says we have to resist the devil and he'll flee. There is something that will try to stop you dead in your tracks 
from extending grace in your relationships, in particular, and most often, the ones you have tension with. The enemy, Satan, will put lies in your head about the other person that are simply not true. It's amazing when we're offended or resentful or bitter how much the enemy can create false narratives about the other person that simply are not true. One of the greatest ways that we experience spiritual conflict against the enemy, one of the greatest tactics Satan tries to use is relationships. He tries to convince us that the person is the problem. It's not. It starts with us. And we begin to resist the lies that the enemy whispers in our ear about the other person. We draw near to God, and we resist the enemy. We start asking God to say, God, would you change my perspective towards this person? And you start to actually pray for the people that you're having difficulty with. What would happen is instead of complaining about a relationship or a person in our life that rubs us the wrong way or we don't care for, what would happen is if every time we're tempted to gossip, slander, or complain about the other person, we actually turn that into an opportunity to pray for them. What would happen is every time we have unpleasant emotions towards someone else, we actually start to intercede on their behalf and ask God to bless them and ask God to give us his heart and his perspective for that relationship. Here's one thing that would happen. It's really, really hard to complain about a relationship at which you're praying for. It's really hard to say something bad about someone that you're consistently bringing up to the Father. And something will happen in your own heart, and it's amazing to me. Do you know this thing, like, God actually works? God actually moves? God actually does stuff when we pray and seek his face? I was reading my devotions this week. God promises, he says, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I would hear from heaven and I will what? Come and heal their land. Y'all, when we pray, God shows up. Amen? Amen? And when we pray about our relationships, God starts showing up in our relationships. Amen? And so we're not going to be defeated. The enemy wants to convince us that it's game over in our relationships, that it's hopeless, that God can't work in this situation. No, we serve a Jesus who reigns above it all, who resurrected from the dead, who is alive at the right hand of God, who has all the hosts of angels in heaven, who gives us every resource we need for every relationship we have. That's the kind of God that we have. Amen? And so God increases our capacity to be able to love and bless. This is what God does as we pray. God begins to give us a non-anxious presence. 
And so when we step into a relationship or a situation where there's tension, God has already given us peace that passes understanding, that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so we step into a situation that's tension-filled, and people look at us, and we can't take credit for it because it's Jesus, but there's a stillness, a calmness, and a peace that only comes from God. But we're able to bring that health into that relationship. Or it's grace in our spirits. Or it's wisdom that's from above that James chapter 3 talks about. When we spend time with God in prayer, interceding on behalf of the relationship, God actually gives us words to give and speak words of healing into relationships. You see, it's in those moments of prayer that God begins to convict us and leads us to repentance. Relational conviction leads to godly repentance. And, and sometimes this repentance isn't like the old school thinking of repentance. The word repentance in Greek means change your perspective. And sometimes God changes our perspective about a relationship. He gives us his mind and his heart about a relationship. Because our heart and mind has got skewed from bitterness and resentment. Amen? And so God begins to give us his heart for that individual. His perspective. His love. His grace. And he commands us to be active. You know... God will lead you to pray about relationships. And as you pray, God will give you his perspective for this relationship or these relationships. But oftentimes my experience has shown, just in general with prayer, and not always, but often, when you pray, oftentimes you can be the answer to your own prayers. And it makes sense to me. Just think about this for a second. When you are praying for a specific individual and God has given you, God's first of all put him on your heart or her on your heart. He's given you his perspective, his heart, his words for the individual. Who do you think is most prepared by God to actually minister health to that person? Probably you. And James and Matthew in his gospel were dealing with tensions. But God can resolve tension. The Bible says, as much as it's possible, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. There is that less than 1% person that no matter what you do, they probably won't be at peace with you. And that's when you shake your dust from your feet, you pray for them, and just bless them. But most of the time, God wants us to be actively pursuing right relationship. And this is the hard part. I invite the worship team to come. This is the part where we really need grace from God. Matthew 7 says, you notice your brother has a speck in his eye. Take the log out of your own eye first. So then you can go and help your brother with humility take a speck out. That's active. It's not passive. We've got to humble ourselves first and then help. That's one, one instruction 
Jesus gave as it relates to relational tension. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, when you're worshiping at the altar in a church service or wherever that might be, you know someone has something against you. The Bible says, leave your gift at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. That's active. It's not passive. Jesus said in Matthew 18, if you know someone has sinned against you, go to that brother or sister. Graciously and humbly show them the way that you've been hurt. Not to try to win the argument. Not to say, I was right, you were wrong. The purpose of Matthew 18 is to do what? Win your brother or sister back. Restore the relationship. That's active. It's not passive. But you know what else it is? It's really hard. But the reward of peace. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons and daughters of God. So it starts with you. And that leads us to pray. Pray Prayer changes our perspective. And it's amazing what God will do in relationships if you just start to pray. And don't be surprised as you pray if God moves you to do something. Because oftentimes, you're the answer to your own prayers. Maybe you're here tonight and this relationship here isn't right yet and you want to put your faith in Jesus and you realize that you need what he has. And you want to make things right with God. I invite you to come up with me. I'll be over here praying if you want to pray to Steve Jesus. Or maybe you're here tonight and there's this sense tonight as we were praying this evening that there are some broken people here tonight that have had dings from relationships, hurts and wounds. And maybe you need prayer tonight for something specific as it relates to relationships. I'm going to be over there. If you want to come pray, let's stand to our feet as we sing about living the Jesus way. We really hope that this message has motivated you to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus and has inspired you to join us in our mission to take Jesus into every community of Southwest Nova. If you have any questions about the sermon, if you want to know how you can get involved, send us an email at office at coastalchurchns.com. We'd love to get connected with you. Have a great day.